Hey everyone, welcome back to the BME Grad Podcast. I'm Allie. And I'm Grace. And today our guest is Jasmine McCorkle. Jasmine is a associate drug product investigator at Pfizer in Michigan. She graduated from the UNC and NC State BME department in 2017 and then pursued a master's in bioengineering and and biomedical engineering and graduated from that in 2019. We are super excited today to talk to her a little bit about what it means to be a drug product investigator in biopharmaceuticals and how her transition from student to investigator has progressed. So please enjoy Jasmine McCorkle. Jasmine, thank you so much for joining us this week. Yeah, thanks for having me. So we're super excited to chat. Um, can you give us like kind of a brief overview of your job progression since graduating? I know you did an internship with the you know U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. You did a quality engineering intern at Medtronic and now associate drug product investigator at Pfizer. So can you tell us a little bit about that progression? Yeah, so I feel like like a lot of people, I had no idea what I, I wanted to do after grad school or even just undergrad really. So uh, some of the internships I looked at kind of like exploring different avenues for me, looking at research. So um, before starting my grad school program, had that opportunity with the Boston VA uh, doing temperature mapping um, for the summer. And so I was like, okay, research is kind of interesting. The data analysis, I like doing that. So took that on with my master's, did my thesis. Um, But after my first year, I thought, hmm, do I want to do PhD after this, more research, or am I more interested in industry, like manufacturing? So let me try an internship like that. So then uh, luckily had the opportunity with Medtronic working as a quality engineer at their manufacturing site in Minneapolis. And I was like, I really like this a lot more where there is still that kind of like data analysis doing the root cause analysis when uh, we have non-conformances on the line trying to understand what happened. But it's also nice that at the end of the week, for the most part, you're kind of done. You don't have to worry about it too much. Whereas, you know, with research or, you know, PhD, still got to do homework over the weekend. So yeah, it never ends. (laughs) Yeah, never ends. So after my thesis, I was like, all right, I think I want to uh, go into industry. Still wasn't quite sure. I definitely knew healthcare being in biomedical engineering, bioengineering. Um, and so when this opportunity came up with Pfizer as an investigator, it was kind of like that fun part of quality engineering, at least to me, where you had those deviations or unplanned incidents at your manufacturing site. And then you go in to understand, you know, what happened? You know, can we prevent this in the future? How can I make this process better for operators day in and day out? And, um, so, yeah. I think that answers it. (laughs) So your current role is, you know, associate drug product investigator at Pfizer. Mm -hmm. So can you mentioned a little bit, it's like the fun part of quality engineering. Can you talk a little bit about what it means to be a product, a drug product investigator? Yeah. So I like to think of it, you know, you're kind of like the Sherlock Holmes of the site, you know, (laughs) Um, we have many different products at our site. You know, we have our sterile sterile injectables, but also our liquid semi-solids, kind of like lotions and creams, um, manufacturing that, and then also going through final packaging. And, you know, at any point in the process, we can have these deviations where maybe we have a pH issue, or maybe we have um, some incorrect labeling on our final packaging. And so uh, 
once we have those incidents, you kind of form that cross-functional team of potentially process engineers, quality, shop floor colleagues to kind of come to a root cause of why this deviation happened. And then um, once we get a firm understanding at that, or at least uh, most likely, um, we look into different corrective and preventative actions or CAPAs, probably what most people know that as. Uh, so that way we can prevent this from happening in the future. So Okay, so you bring that team together and kind of like lead the initiative cross-functionally. Yeah, for the most part. Sometimes uh, our deviations, they have like a responsible person that, you know, is mostly in charge or, you know, kind of responsible for finishing out the report. But um, yeah, sometimes I have to pull in some other people that we uh, didn't think about in the first place, like, oh, maybe maintenance should be involved or maybe regulatory could be involved in these different incidents. Yeah, that's nice. That it's kind of cool that you get to like chat with all these different departments and kind of like see what their specialties are and mm -hmm. like what they're responsible for. It's um, it's like a really nice way to kind of get like get a really good understanding of what all these different departments do um, yeah. and like interact with all of them. Um, so I would assume based on this description that your work is very project-based and instead of being, you know, like day-to-day -day responsibilities, it's more like whatever deviation you're investigating for six months and then moving on to the next. Is that, how does that work kind of play out? Uh, it's kind of like that, but shorter timeline. So usually we have about 30 days to finish up the report. Like that's our target is 30 days. Um, but yeah, so my, day to day can be like all right i'm working on this deviation but something new might come up so that might take focus but you know you kind of plan out your days and your meetings that way you can meet those deadlines to uh finish out those investigations on time but yeah so what is your what is like an example of the type of work you would do in a day yeah so um usually my most busiest days uh, might have be some Gimba meetings. So that's where we have kind of like our, the team of that area. So it could be the engineers, senior managers, quality. We go through all the deviations currently open in our area and uh, kind of give status updates, make sure we're all on the right path, the CAPAs we're looking at. Um, so we'll have those. And then sometimes I'll have my cross-functional team meetings where we discuss those events. You know, what data do we have? Um, you know, what do we recall that could have contributed? And then after that, I kind of like track down, follow up on those potential root causes. Um, sometimes it's going out on the floor itself, you know, doing an area walkthrough, um, talking with the operators, make sure that I understand the equipment because sometimes I see some names and I was like, I have never heard of this piece of equipment before. <laughs> I have no idea what you guys are talking about. Let me go see it myself. So that's kind of usually how the day goes. And then luckily, Hopefully I get like a nice little hour at the end of the day where I can just kind of type up my notes and write up my reports. And that way we can, you know, get those approved in our quality system. Yeah. So, and you mentioned it's like a 30 day timeline to like get that wrapped up. I'm sure that can be sometimes stressful depending on the yeah. issue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's our target. We do have, you know, we are able to extend them when we need to, especially for, you know, the more involved complex investigations. Um, but yeah, targets 30 days. And then sometimes, you know, it gets expedited because of supply demand. So then uh, you have supply like, oh, we need to ship this now. And it's like, all right, that's my focus for the day. Let's get this going. Yeah. It's kind of cool though. Cause it's like, you know, it is the same job role, but you know, every deviation is going to be a little different. So it's like, mm -hmm. it's not going to be stagnant. 
Um, I mean, yeah. that can be stressful sometimes, obviously, like if you can't figure it out, but it it's like a really cool way to be in such a stable role, but still have it be constantly exciting and new every, every yeah. new deviation. Uh, and it's also kind of like a, oh, you know, in five years, if you're in a different role, it's like, oh, I know how to avoid this because it's going to lead to this deviation or whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it definitely helps because uh, especially uh, this one side project not part of investigative but something else I was helping out with like developing our procedures for a new process I was like hmm how can I word this to make sure it's clear what I'm asking my operators to right do, that there's no like inconsistency in how we're interpreting this document so it's a nice perspective to have yeah that's definitely a really good point um so speaking of perspective um do you feel like your two internships really prepared you well for this role or was it kind of mostly learning on the job once you got into it? Yeah, I think they definitely helped prepare me even, you know, for the one that was researched and so, you know, I'm not doing a lot of data collection with, you know, temperature wise, but, you know, that helped me to learn how to take the data I have, analyze it, interpret those results. Cause sometimes I do have to look at like I said, maybe something like pH data over time. That way I can understand, you know, are there any changes? What may be contributing to this change? And then especially as a quality engineering intern working on some nonconformances with some of the people at the site, you know, I have a pretty good understanding of root cause analysis and the DMAIC process, which is, uh, let's see, define, measure, analyze, improve, control. So that's kind of like drilled into my head now from that internship. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just kind of having that mindset when you approach a problem, you know, these steps you can take when uh, undertaking these deviations. Right. So I would also imagine that you are pretty like up to date or not up to date, but, but you know, pretty well versed in kind of all the GMP practices, good manufacturing practices, <laughs> GE, good engineering practices. Um Oh, yeah. You know, ISO, FDA regulation kind of stuff. I'm sure that like is everywhere in your role um is that oh, yeah. something that you that you learned a little bit about when as an undergrad or has it all really been in the quality engineering internship and now um in your current role yeah I would definitely say more in the internships and then in my current role actually kind of like reading through those different regulations and standards and GMP practices and whatnot so um but yeah yeah I think, yeah, I think like senior design touches that on a little bit, yeah. but never to the degree that like you're gonna, um, you're gonna get once you're in those pharma uh, jobs. Yeah. So Jasmine, could you give us an example of a recent project you've worked on? Like just kind of like close to finish how that, how that went, what the problem was? Yeah. So I guess, I mean, it's kind of recent. It's, was one of like the bigger investigations that I worked on when I first started. We had a increase in cleaning failures for one of a, a piece of equipment in our manufacturing area. And um, we started seeing different type of residues and foreign materials were being identified. Some of them were similar, some of them were different. And we were just like, where is this really all coming from all at one time? It's like, you know, a perfect storm really. Um, and so, uh, they formed, they kind of gave me the cross-functional team. There was another lead investigator and I was helping out. Um, and so they kind of formed their team together. And as we were looking at different things, we we're like, oh, 
we need to bring in maintenance and we need to bring in our clean facilities guys. We got to, you know, understand the different steps that this equipment's going through to understand, you know, where this FM or these cleaning failures might be happening, you know, and why. And, uh, you know, we started pulling some data too, looking at the cleaning failures and then historical data, you know, comparing, you know, when we saw this change, what may have contributed to this change. Um, what looks like an apparent increase in failures. Um, and so that took quite a bit of time. That was one where it was like six months. Oh gosh. And it just, it felt like six months. And, but good thing is, you know, we kind of drilled down some to some most likely root causes, some uh, really good matches to our FM that we characterized and uh, come up with some kappas to prevent, you know, reoccurrence. And for the most part, I think, we've addressed everything we needed to address. I haven't seen as many cleaning failures as we did that first time. It was like something like 40 failures in a month time oh, wow. period to maybe like two or three that I've seen in the past few months. So okay. that was quite a quite a time, but it was pretty fun. I look back and it was pretty fun. Back then it probably wasn't as fun, but I mean, that's a, that's a significant reduction in failures to, and to be a part of a team that like directly drilled into it is super fascinating. Um, so from that has, have they mostly been that big or is it mostly like, that was just like a supersized investigation that was super big, but usually it's like wrapped up in 15 days, no problem. Yeah, it, it kind of varies. Um, nothing. I haven't had anything super big like that where we had like that limited duration team. There have been other potential foreign material investigations that took a little while because we, you know, we went all the way back to even the active pharmaceutical ingredient looking to see processes there. Um, and so, of course, that took some time with maybe talking to suppliers and vendors. But um, for the most part, yeah, uh, they've been fairly chill. I, I don't know if that's the word to use, but yeah, not as bad as that. Not as big, I guess, as that one. That's good. So what would you say is like your top two or three skills that you think someone in this role needs to have and do well? Like what are the top three skills that you, that are needed for this role? Yeah, well, like I mentioned, you know, I've had cross-functional teams. I've worked with other lead investigators, kind of learning from them. So definitely that teamwork, skill <laughs> all the group work in college even though we didn't like it it's not going away but it's also great because everyone you know they are they are there to help you know they got we got some SMEs or subject matter matter experts you know that are trying to help us solve the problem so definitely teamwork leaning on your team uh communication uh making sure that you know staying on top of what you're working on communicating to other areas and groups of um to get you know insight on different things, but also to uh, make sure that everyone knows. Um, I guess, hmm, where was I going with that? <laughs> but yeah, they're like communicating. You know, you know why you think this root cause is the root cause. You know, what evidence do you have to back that up, and make sure that you can, um, you know, tell the team that's so that way they understand. And you know, if they have feedback for you, that's good. Um, but it's good to make sure that they understand what's going on. And then I would say 
I guess that flexibility, because it can be where one week, like say this week right now for me is pretty light workload. So knock on wood, it kind of stays that way for a little bit, (laughs) but you know, sometimes things happen and about quite a few deviations can come up and in different areas. And it's just like, you have all these different processes that you got to maybe learn at one time to, you know, juggle these investigations. So, you know, kind of being flexible and adaptable to change like that, because it is manufacturing site thing 24 seven. So anything could happen really. So um, I know it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So if you think back to yourself, when you were a BME undergrad, um, knowing what you know about your role now, what type of BME grad would love the role you're in? What would their interests be and, um, you know, key competencies be who would really enjoy the role you're in? Yeah. Hmm. I guess one that's, uh, hopefully I answer this is Right. But, you know, uh, maybe a BME grad that's, I would say, you know, open to learning, um, really good, um, you know, able to go to different areas, learn different processes, you know, work with different people to understand what's going on. Um, I wouldn't say that you need a lot of as much technical expertise because you do have those SMEs to help you, but it's nice to have like a little bit of background knowledge of, say, um, I don't know if the word would be electronics, but just like equipment, things like that, you know, with programming, whatnot, because we do have some automated systems that we use. So just a little background knowledge, just to, you know, know what your SME is saying, but your SME is there to help explain it further if needed. Um, And then, yeah, I guess just someone, uh, because I know I'm not as extroverted as others, but, you know, someone that is can, you know, lead a team because sometimes you will be the lead investigator. So, you know, someone that's able to take on that leadership role, make sure that your team is staying focused because uh, when meetings start to get more than five people, it can get off track really fast as I've learned. So (laughs) got to make sure you keep our team on, you know, on agenda, make sure we're meeting our goals, make sure, you know, you can divvy up different responsibilities, kind of that team management or time management. so, and, you know, even though I'm biomedical, a lot of the people I work with are more like micro, chemi type people. Um, I really just feel like engineering, you know, at the core is kind of just like a problem solving, like engineers are problem solvers. So shouldn't be worried if you want to go into pharma as a BME, you'll do just fine. Like our courses might be a little different, but at the end of the day, you know, problem solver will be a perfect person for this. Yeah, definitely. Well, yeah, chemical, it's definitely a lot of microbiology and chemical engineering. You said chemi. That's, that's rampant (laughs) in the field that you're, that you're in. Um, I noticed on your LinkedIn that you did get a master's degree. You have your master's in bioengineering and biomedical engineering. Um, Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about why you decided to go for that and how that has helped you? Yeah. So um, I think kind of like I mentioned, or said at the end of grad school, but also at the end of undergrad, I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. I thought about uh, grad school because I did do an internship after my junior year and talking to some of the professors there. I was like, huh, 
this sounds kind of neat going into grad school, maybe going into a research career. So I thought at least if I do a master's, that'll give me a good idea of this versus like a PhD, which is a longer time commitment. So I was like a master's thesis that I can do. Um, and so really what helped me um, doing that thesis, because, you know, individual work uh, helped me, you know, improve my like time management skills, you know, planning out my research that way, you know, I completed in time, I can write up my thesis, get feedback, and then present it um, before graduation, things like that. But then also, um, you know, if I don't understand something, you know, finding a way to find that information. So kind of like in my role now, finding those SMEs, reaching out to people in my network uh, to help understand different, you know, stats analysis tools, or even just when I have the data and I, you know, did something to it, be like, all right, what did I do? <laughs> you know, can you help me? <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I th think that answers you. <laughs> but if I missed something, let me know. No, that's no, that was helpful. Uh, that I think that does. Um, could you give like a, would you say that like learning, learning how to learn and like kind of find your own answer has been the most helpful from having a master's degree? Yeah, definitely. And then also just, you know, like I said, was talking about with communication, that presentation, um, obviously I had to present my thesis, defend my thesis to a committee. Um, so it's the same way, like with investigations, like I have my data, I have my root cause, I'm going to present it to people, you know, in meetings or I, my Gimba meetings. Um, and so that way, you know, you know, defend the argument that we have here, get constructive feedback, take that feedback into account, see how we can address those comments. So, yeah. Awesome. And so, um, what would you advise students to consider before applying to uh, that master's program that you were in? What do you think they sh should be on their mind and, and them considering? Yeah, um, I think a lot of people, you know, when it comes to grad school, kind of like, what are you hoping to get out of a master's thesis? Like, are you looking to maybe do PhD? Are you using that to, you know, kind of bolster your um, resume in a way? Um, are you helping? As I know, for me, it kind of helped maybe specialize a little bit with biomechanics. I felt like uh, my BME undergrad degree, we had a lot of electives in different places. So my master's degree helped me kind of specialize more biomechanics type in that area, even though I'm not doing much biomechanics now, but that's what I was interested in. And then also, I think the biggest thing would be, you know, do you have, I don't know if the word would be time, but just kind of like, I think I mentioned it already, but like, you know, your next step after, you know, kind of what you plan after your master's. So, you know, does it make sense to kind of start there or would it make more sense to maybe get some uh, work experience and then come back? So kind of like figure it out there. Do you need a master's for any um, promotions you kind of have your eye on? Uh, no, but master's does help, you know, bring down the work experience. So like, I know I'm, I'm pretty sure you guys seen with some jobs, it's like you can have a bachelor's with four years experience or a master's with just two years experience. So it is kind of nice having that cut down on the experience needed. Mm -hmm. um, I haven't seen too many uh, upper level roles where you need you know, like absolutely need a master's except maybe if I was doing more like a scientist role 
if I was trying to go in that, maybe they might prefer more research experience background. Um, but other than that, no, not too much. Okay. So from an operations perspective, not so much. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, I think that mostly wraps up about what it means to be a drug product investigator at Pfizer. Thank you so much for chatting with us. I feel like I learned a lot. Really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us this week and found it super helpful and super interesting. Thanks, Jasmine. Uh, thank you, guys. The BME Grad Podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. For more information on the BME Grad Podcast, visit bme.unc.edu. Right now, you can find that information under the News and Events tab. If you can, please subscribe or follow and leave a review. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.